Hey guys, welcome. You're listening to the Educationally Relevant Podcast hosted by me, Latori West. I am a former middle school teacher turned current instructional specialist, and I'm here to talk, chat, and discuss all things education. As teachers, there are so many things, challenges, and situations that we encounter daily that I just wanted to create a platform where we educators and parents can have true dialogue and real conversations. We all know that as educators and parents, we have so many things to speak on. So sit back, relax, and let's get to it. Hey guys, today we're going to talk about student remediation and interventions that can be put in place to make sure that our students are getting the education that they need. We're going to talk about what is remediation. We're going to talk about what remediation is not. Um, and I'm, we're also going to be joined by a special guest. Um, her name is Miss Kristen Anderson, and she is a math specialist. So we're going to introduce her and we're going to get to talking and chatting. We're going to take a small break and we'll be right back for part two of the Educationally Relevant Podcast. Hello. Hey, Kristen. How are you? I'm great, Latori. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm glad we got this to work. Me too, because we struggle for a moment. Absolutely. I was about to give up. Right. So the purpose of the call today, um, listeners, um, today I have with us Miss Kristen Anderson. Um, and just to give you a little background information, um, she and I were once former former um teachers on the hall together and we are now both um doing kind of like the same position. Um I'm an instructional specialist for ELA and she's now a math remediation specialist um at our school system. Um, she has taught for what is it, Kristen? Over twelve years. This is year thirteen, so you're correct. Over twelve. This is year thirteen. Right. So she's taught for thirteen years, and today we just wanted to invite her because we're going to talk about remediation, um, because that is something that we are at our school right now. We're focused on. We just want to make sure that we're doing the right work, and that with that work, that we're getting the right results. So, anything you want to share before we get started? No, I just want to thank you pretty much, Miss West, um, for inviting me to participate in this conversation on one of your wonderful podcast episodes. So I'm glad to be here and let's talk. Cool. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, so when we talk about remediation, um, I know one of the textbook definitions that we always see is they're always talking about remediation and we think about problem solving or solving problems. Um, because it involves an in-depth analysis of things that children are going through, difficulties they may have, um, to determine where, what went wrong, why it went wrong, and trying to develop a plan to remedy that situation. So right. we want to talk about what remediation is and what it isn't. Right. There, are, there are so many people who have so many preconceived ideas about what it is that we just want to kind of like come down and you know come up with a finite um, number of interventions that can be done within our schools to help our kids because that's our ultimate goal to make sure that students are succeeding absolutely 
And there, you know, there's always a negative stigma in addition to, of course, what you just said, there's always a negative stigma when it comes to remediation. Like students feel like, oh, I'm in remediation group, um, you know, at the school. And that means that I'm, I'm slow or I'm intellectually incapable. And that's not what it means. Remediation is really just a, a, a time to really focus on where the gaps in their education are and then what can be done as far as those interventions in order to strengthen those areas. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, I just think about conversations that I've had with students in the past. And like you said, when they think about remediation, they think about, you know, that the negative side of remediation. They're not thinking about, okay, I may struggle with this one concept. Let me get help on this concept so that, you know, I'm able to move on to the next subject or the next topic with ease because they need to understand that you know topics and concepts build upon each other and if you get that assistance with one thing it's going to help with the next right so there are some interventions that um i want to talk about um as it relates to remediation and i think our first intervention is motivation you know a lot of times when we talk about remediation um, our kids lack motivation and sometimes our teachers do as well you know just making sure that we are motivating them to do the work you know I think sometimes because kids when they look at their grades or when they look at their standardized testing scores you know they have not scored where they wanted to for so long they're not motivated to do the work already become complacent and they've pretty much just kind of thrown in or whatever you know that white towel because they literally give up because you know I know earlier we had a meeting of course this week you know in our district and you know I was bringing attention of course to the audience that you know if a child has failed so many times and they've given their best effort then if I'm going to get the same end result and I'm going to fail whether I give 100% effort or whether I give zero effort, then I might as well give zero effort and not even try because I'm going to get the same end result. So you're absolutely correct. We have to find a way to motivate these children. And even if it's intrinsic, because, you know, mo motivation doesn't always have to come from incentivizing something that we are giving to them. Sometimes we also need to help them understand that you should want you know, to succeed anyway at whatever it is that you do. So we have to motivate them both intrinsically and extrinsically. Right. And I and I agree. And I think sometimes, too, when you have those relationships with those kids, you know, as a teacher, you know, um, I think they will work for you because they know that, hey, my teacher expects this for me. And because of the relationship that we have, you know, that student teacher relationship, I want to perform my best because I know that they're expecting that from me. Right. Um, and, you know, those are conversations that I've been having with kids as well. Like, hey, I want you to do well, but I want you to do well for yourself, too. So, you know, like right. you said, it doesn't always have to be something tangible. You know, let's, right. you know I need you to be intrinsic, intrinsically motivated. You know, I need you to do it just because it's the right thing to do or because you want to do it and not right. because somebody's going to give you something. Right. Okay. So the next thing, you know, when we talk about remediation. I think a lot of times people think that they use that word and they use that word loosely, remediate. Um, remediation is just basically, you know, having a plan for intervention for our kids after you've looked at their data and right. then you come up and you find out where those cracks are and you come up with an opportunity to help, like you said earlier, to close and bridge those gaps. You know, I think a lot of times when we think about 
teaching and our students. And, you know, I think a lot of times we, we don't even think about the data behind, you know, the work. And you have to look at the data because if you're not looking at the data, you're not looking at the right work. Absolutely. Because you need to know where the child is. And more importantly, the child needs to know where they are. So, you know, that data has to be looked at by both the, you know, the instructor, but also the student. Absolutely. I just think about, you know, um, like you said earlier, you know, within our district, we've been having the conversations and we've just been having, you know, those um, the talks with the students about their own individual data. And those conversations have been really rich and they've been really eye opening, not only for ourselves, but for the students as well, because you can see that light in their eyes like, oh, no one has ever talked to me about this or right. oh I see where I have been but I want to do better I think that's been like really eye-opening for the kids as well and it's just been you know it's it's been something for me that's been like you know like oh you know I'm, I'm glad that they see this now right and then you know of course we're working in our district on creating a you know a data-driven culture and you know we want that to become such an integral part of who we are as a district and who we are as you know education you know um constituents educators but it's just the fact that you know we got to make sure that we know what the numbers are saying and what they're revealing and communicate that to the children and then be able to move forward so this should even be happening at the lower grades a kindergarten student should be able to you know identify which say which letters they know and which letters they don't know and so they know well I'm good on A, B, and C, but when I get to D, E, and F, I'm, I mix them up. Like even a small child should be able to verbalize what they know and what they don't know. There's there's a lot of power in that when the child is able to do it. Right. And like you said before, I just think that all kids across the board, I don't care what grade level, should right. know where they stand. They should be able to articulate to anybody that asks them, okay, I know that I may be reading behind grade level, but this is what I struggle on. This is what I need to do. And I'm working on it, you right. know, so that they can, they can come to you and whoever it is and say that, you know, shows the magnitude, you know, uh, and the effectiveness of the remediation that, you know, is taking place. Absolutely. You know, I'm in full agreement. Right. Um, and so that kind of like leads me into the third intervention. We're talking about absenteeism. Um, and I think that is a integral part because you can't, you have Absolutely. to be in order to get the work done. If right, you're you not there, present. right, you got to be present. If you're not there, then what can we do for you? If you're Absolutely never. Absolutely nothing. You have to be in the room. You have right. to be there to actually learn. Absolutely. And I, think, I think that's one place where you know, um, educators get frustrated because they feel like maybe that's one thing that they can't really necessarily control. Because, you know, I mean, I know that we've seen, and just, you know, in all transparency, I know that we've seen, you know, a, a lack of attendance when it comes to certain lower grade levels. And the reason that's done is because, you know, maybe the parents don't fully understand that, yes, your child may be in kindergarten, but yeah, they might take naps, but it's still important for them to be there every day because they're missing out on on knowledge you know they're missing right. out on a foundation that they need in order to move forward like we can't underestimate the power of the lower grades absolutely and like you said that key word that stuck out to me was foundation right. that, that kindergarten and even pre-k 
pre-K, kindergarten, first and second, those are those foundational years. That's when you're you're learning the phonics and the phoneme and the segmentation, you know, and everything that, everything else that you need to learn to help you read. Even when it comes to that math fluency, you know, you know, helping you to learn how to, you know, your base tens and, you know, just counting and just, you know, all of these different things and all of these early interventions everything that you need you know at that lower grade level you need all of that and when you're not there you're not going to get it and those and and they call them gaps you know and they may start start early you know just to you know interject there gaps don't start late and i think that's that's another thing that we have to remember time is of the essence you know, you when you're able to target, you know, what that student needs and you're able to target that gap early on, then you're lessening the size of that gap because if a child moves from one grade level to another grade level with a gap, there has to be a plan in place to, to close that gap. And the sooner the better. So Absolutely. it's all about making sure that you're smart about your time frame as well. Cause you don't want a student going three grade levels and still not, let's say, being on the correct Lexile band. And then you're you're assessed and it reveals that you're on a third grade, you know, reading level when you should be on a sixth grade reading level. Like that's embarrassing to the child, but at the same time, where was the ball dropped? Absolutely. Who did not, you know, insert or intervene with that child to make sure that they were gonna be where they were. Cause it's a lot more acceptable to have a child in the sixth grade that's on a fifth grade reading level. Cause you still can work with them that sixth grade year and get them up to par before they leave and move on to the seventh. So absolutely, timing is everything. Absolutely. You know, the kids need to be there and we need to be aware of the time. And you know, like you said, I mean, you know, we I, th- I, I think that, you know, we start off with those gaps but if those gaps continue to happen year after year, I think we go from gaps to trenches, you know. Yeah, we and do. From, and from trenches to canyons, you know, canyons, just being, well, look, just being honest. You got trenches and ditches. So, I mean, just like you said, and, and canyons and then, you know, canyons and craters. And I mean, we just have to make sure that we do everything necessary for the child, you know, but in addition to the remediation, you know, I would just like to see schools really, truly sit down with this, the parents of those children as well so they can explain to them, you know, like I said, the importance of starting early and being there in those early grade levels and setting the foundation and even send out a communication letting the parents know, look, this is what your child is expected to be able to do prior to moving to this grade or this is what your child is expected to know prior to even enrolling in kindergarten or pre so, I mean, there needs to also be communication there because, you know, I, that would be very powerful for the parents. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, having that plan, even before, like you said, the child gets into school will help to alleviate a lot of the issues that we're having now once they enter school. Um, you know, because studies show that, you know, when students are read to, you know, before they enter school, they enter school with a higher vocabulary which directly impacts their reading and understanding and comprehension skills. So, you know, just having that plan in place um, and, you know, having that parental involvement even early on, even before the kid enters schools, would be a big help. Absolutely. So, yeah, and I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and the next intervention was is to get personal. And I know sometimes as educators, uh, we think getting personal could, you know, sometimes people take that, you know, to the far end on the negative side, 
But when yeah. we're talking about getting personal, we're talking about building relationships with the kids. You know, those relationships that help to foster learning and those relationships that helps them to understand that I am here for you as a teacher and I want the best for you and I want you to learn. We have to understand that students need to feel a sense of connectedness to their teachers because yes. when they, when they do they will perform for you they absolutely will a lot just like they say like relationships is really relationships is that boulder that can either move and allow you to progress or it can stay complacent and prevent you from progressing and you know as educators and this is honestly this is even in you know other fields outside of education you have to establish relationships with people young old it doesn't matter you know in order to really get true effective sustainable results so yeah you have to establish those results because you know we've seen this you know uh several times if you have that relationship built with that child and they feel like you genuinely care even though they may not feel like taking an assessment or necessarily uh maybe they're sick and they don't feel well they will still push themselves because they feel that connection with that teacher and they want to perform because they want that teacher to be proud of them and that stems from the relationship absolutely because you know i just think about you know students who like you said they come they know that they're sick but they come to school just because i know i have a test for miss west or i have a test for miss anderson and i don't want to miss or because we're learning something new i want to be here and you kind of have, have to make them go home because they're so sick but that that all goes back to the relationship that you built with that child it absolutely does right and you know i just think that you know when we're talking about the relationship every child should have at least one adult or staff member that they feel like they're connected to yeah because i mean when you have i think and i would say honestly you know i would honestly say you know more than one uh, if, a child is, if a child is in a school that is a high performing school, I promise you that child feels connected to more than just one teacher, you know, Absolutely. so it really you, you really truly want that child to feel connected to every adult they come in contact with pretty much. Maybe there are some that they don't come into contact with as often as others, but they should still feel a sense of this person cares about me and wants me to do my best, even if they don't have a close-knit relationship with that person. Absolutely. Because, you know, a lot of times students shut down because of things that happen outside of the school. You know, whether if it's things that happen at home, things that are going on with their parents, things in the community. You know, just for an adult or a teacher, a faculty member, you know, to be able to connect with that child. And, you know, I understand what's going on. You know, if there's anything that I, you know, anything that you need, you just need to talk, you right. know, just to be there for that child and, you know, be that shoulder that they can cry on, you know, what means so much to that child. You know, I just think back to, you know, a, a situation with a student that I had um, and they were going through a hard time and I was just there and I was a shoulder for that child to cry on. Yeah. And, you know, and now that child is like, anytime that child sees me, it's just, you can sense the the genuineness, uh, you know, of that love that they have, you know, right. that they that they care for you and you, because you showed that you cared for them, you know, at a time that was just dire to them. You know, so again, just having that relationship, you know, and being there for students, you know, even that could, you know, spark something in them to, again, because having those relationships makes them want to perform. It so, does. 
Right. So, you know, having that makes, because it's Miss Anderson, I'm going to work because it's her. But if every yeah. child had a Miss Anderson or every child had a Miss West, the difference that it will make in our schools. Absolutely. Because you always want your child to go from one strong teacher to another. You know, you, you, you don't you don't want somebody to drop the ball because they're there to collect a paycheck or because they seem dis, just just disinterested, you know, and not, you know, invested or whatever into either the community or the school district. Though That's when, you know, you hear those that that fight or flight, you know, either mm-hmm. you're going to fight to do what's right or it's time to go. Right. So, yeah, we, you know, we just want to make sure that students see that all of the adults in their life are investing in their education because if they feel that way, they're going to try to strive and reach as high as they can. Absolutely. Right. And lastly, we're going to talk about professional development. I know a lot of the things that we've been talking about have kind of like honed in on the student, but we kind of sort of need to talk about the teacher as well because yeah. not only does you know the student need, need to be motivated and ready but the teacher also needs to be motivated and ready as well and that can be done by making sure that teachers and the staff have the the, the training that is needed to help to remediate our students right. education is constantly changing and it evolves so quickly um, yes. new concepts and new strategies and new programs and resources are coming out every month every year it seems like you know, and as a result, we have to make sure that we're providing our teachers with the appropriate professional development so that they are ready to implement these resources and these tasks to our kids. Um, Right. So whether it's focusing on, you know, how to use text-dependent analysis in the classroom or whether it's focused on how to use the latest math strategy, um, like number talks, we just need to make sure that we are giving teachers what they need to remain effective in the classroom. Absolutely. They have to be well equipped. Right. In order to do their job effectively. Right. Because, you know, a lot of times we think is, you know, students should be lifelong learners, but teachers are lifelong learners also. Absolutely. I mean, we're the ones that set the example for them to follow. We're the ones that show them that, you know, even though I may be in the front of this classroom, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to learn just as much as I don't know, which means I will always be learning because I will never know anything. I will never know, I'm sorry, not anything, but I will never know everything. Right. They they need to see that and understand that. Like, for instance, like, okay, you know, my specialty, of course, is math. So even when I was like up and, you know, teaching and everything, let's say like, even I make a careless mistake on the board. Like I would never cut the head off or, you know, chew and spit out, you know, a student or whatever, just because they were like, oh, wait, wait, Miss Anderson, I think you meant to do this or that was a mistake or you didn't mean to write that or whatever. Like, that's fine. They need to see us make those mistakes so they're more accepting of when they make them themselves. Absolutely. That's a teachable moment. Absolutely. Right. And I think that, you know, when when and accessible teachers, moment too. <laughs> abso- absolutely. Because then you but, know they understand what's going on as well. Right. Because I think, you know, about professional development and educating, you know, all of that creates a sense of excitement. You know, right. when students see that teachers are excited, they become excited. And it right. helps with that engagement in the classroom, which is what we need. We need classes to not be this, you know, boring lecture write down these notes, take this test. 
it, there needs to be a level of engagement to where students want to come in and they want to learn. And, you know, and I think when you when the teachers are trained appropriately, that's going to transfer into the classroom because that's they need to, right because they need to feel confident in what they're teaching in right. order to engage these kids because all of that in the end is going to lead to better test, test scores and test results. Right. And a teacher's energy, this is what I've just been able to, you know, witness, of course, with my own students is the fact that just that teacher's, you know, enthusiasm for teaching and the students learning, like it's infectious. So, and you know, and, and that's what you want because number one, your passion for what you're doing is part of your engagement. Absolutely. If you're teaching as if you're disinterested, your entire class will be disinterested also. Absolutely. I think when when students know that you're comf- confident and comfortable and engaged in what it is that you're teaching and what you have to say, just like you said, they are going to be in the exact same way. And sure. learning has to be engaging for the kids. And when we're talking even remediation, even though we're closing gaps, even though we're trying to make sure that you know the what the student doesn't have, you know, is is a, is attained before they leave us, it still has to be engaging. It can't just be a sit and get. It needs to be something that, you know, I can give this quick mini lesson to this child and then I do, you know, the I do, we do, you do model. Right. I do up in my model for them and then we do some guided practice and then you work on it independently. And then in the end, I look at all of that, the the totality of evidence of that data to see whether or not you mastered that particular skill. Right. So remediation is essential um, in helping to ensure that our kids are learning. It is a never ending cycle. This is something that you will go back and forth with, you know, looking at the data, reviewing the data and tweaking, um, you know, just everything that you're doing just throughout the school year. But I think it's a good practice to have. Absolutely. I mean, every school should do remediation, whether you call it remediation, whether you call it enrichment whether you call it acceleration, you still have got to target whatever it is that you need in order to make sure you provide what's best for the students in your building. Absolutely. Well, Ms. Anderson, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the time you took out of your day um, to just talk and chat with us today on the Educationally Relevant Podcast. Um, And this will not be the last time you guys will hear from her. Ms. Anderson, any final words before we end? I would just like to say in the words of Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> you are more than welcome. Thank you, Ms. West. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Educationally Relevant Podcast. Be sure to check out Educationally Relevant on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Educationally Relevant and emailing me at educationallyrelevant at gmail.com as well as listening on all streaming platforms. Don't forget to join me next week for another great episode. Thanks for listening. It's been real. You guys have a great one.